It's time for the Minnesota WorkComp Connection. Legal experts in the Minnesota workers' compensation industry talking about all things related to navigating and litigating claims in the workers' compensation system in Minnesota. Sponsored by the law firms of Brown and Carlson PA and Motaz and Sisk. Nothing in this podcast should be considered legal advice. Each case is different and you should consult with an attorney about anything you learn about on this podcast. Please consult with an attorney at either of our firms if you have questions relating to your claim. Now on to the show. Good morning, Jerry. Hey, good morning, Eric. Thanks for joining me again on the Minnesota Workers' Compensation Connection. Today we want to talk about discovery issues in Minnesota workers' compensation claims. Before we begin, as a reminder, my name is Eric Hayes with Brown and Carlson, and today I've got Jerry Sisk. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Eric. Hey, it's good to, to be back at it again and doing another episode with you. Yeah. Well, today we wanted to tackle discovery issues in Minnesota workers' compensation claims. And when I mention discovery issues in Minnesota workers' compensation claims, what, is, what does that bring up for you? <laughs> First thing, employee depositions. I think that's the mainstay of, of our discovery in the workers' compensation system. So I, I would say that, wage records, gathering medical records, all the, the fun stuff that comes with work comp cases. Okay. So what I'm hearing from you, Jerry, you're talking about the gathering of information, right? <laughs> that's it. That's, yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's what I tell my clients I, when, we, when we start going through this process. You know, I tell them, this is, this is the fact-gathering mission. This is where we need to get information, they're going to get information, and once we've done this, then we'll have our opportunity to further evaluate the case and uh, proceed to hearing if necessary. Right. So what about you? What's your, what, 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 do you, what do you think when you hear the words discovery or you know, the, this part of the, the work comp system? Yeah, for me, the main thing that comes to light is what happens after litigation is commenced. I get claims adjusters asking me all the time, well, can't we compel them to attend an independent medical examination? Can't we collect certain information? And oftentimes I have to remind them that there is no claim petition yet, meaning there's no litigation current ongoing. And so our discovery is really uh, fairly limited. And so when I think about discovery issues, I think about what happens after litigation is commenced. But like you, once litigation is commenced, I see discovery in Minnesota workers' compensation claims unfolding in a fairly routine manner. And what I mean by that is after a claim petition is commenced, I will typically send out written discovery or a written demand for discovery. And these are written interrogatories to the claimant and his or her attorney asking for certain information. But beyond that, you're absolutely right, Jerry. After we get responses to our written demand for discovery, the next thing we typically evaluate is whether there is a need for a deposition and then an independent medical examination. So on a high level, when I'm thinking about discovery issues, I'm thinking about written demand for discovery, possible depositions, and possible independent medical examinations. Do you ever uh, use uh, request for admissions? You know, I do know that there's a mechanism for requests for admissions, and I have to say that, at least in my workers' compensation practice, I do not use requests for admissions. Yeah. 
Do you see uh, that on your side? Do you see defense attorneys trying to use requests for admissions? You know, I, I've seen them at times mixed in with a discovery demand, but not specifically, you know, as, as set forth as a, you know, a set of admissions. But I, but I do think, I mean, it, and it's surprising that we don't use it that often. I mean, I think, you know, in many of these cases, like you said, are very routine and, and the elements are, you know, they are what they are. And so, you know, if it's notice or, you know, if it's liability or, you know, those types of things, you know, oftentimes in a request for admissions may be something that's helpful to, you know, kind of get to the the, the issue. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times you get to a hearing and, you know, you th- the defense lawyer has been claiming notice and then all of a sudden you get there and they're like, no, we admit it. Then why did I do all these other things before? Now, same can be true, obviously, of you know, his attorney and you know, finding out, hey, we're not going to move forward with this claim, or you know, it, it doesn't it isn't something we're going to be successful on, so we're going to withdraw it. So I, I, I get it, but you know, that discovery piece obviously is that's where you're trying to get these answers and trying to figure out, you know, the merits of the case and, and the information. And, and and I think when you when you talked about these written, you know, you've got the written discovery, and then you have the deposition, and you have the, the IME. Do you find yourself needing, you know, further discovery or other uh, means of discovery in order to get the information you need? You know, oftentimes not from a defense standpoint. These are the kind of basic mechanics that we use uh, to discover information. And I think both on the plaintiff side or the claimant side, like you, Jerry, or on the defense side or the employer and insurer side, for me, uh, what we're both trying to do is gather information so that we can advise our respective clients, right? And so typically in that written demand for discovery, we want to know, for example, if they've been treating for that body part. And if so, where have they been treating? And for how long have they been treating? We want them to sign authorization so that we can go get medical records, so that we can discover information about the alleged injury. And the same thing for the deposition. I think you probably use it as a tool as much as I do. We want to know what kind of witness the employee is going to make. Are, do they have credibility issues? Are they likable? And does the mechanism of injury that they describe, does it make sense? And is it consistent with what the medical records say? So I use all of that information in, in coming up with a game plan on how to navigate the workers' compensation claim with my client. And essentially what I mean by that is, you know, case evaluation, case settlement value. You know, how do we want to approach it, or is this a case that we would rather let the judge decide? Yeah, Minnesota Discovery is, and you handle civil matters, and I think you even handle Wisconsin work, workers' True. compensation. And as I understand, even workers' compensation in Wisconsin, you don't even have Discovery. Is that right? Yeah, that's a very interesting thing that you point out. Sometimes we get focused so much on uh, the Minnesota side of things. Uh, but you're right. In Wisconsin, it's a different set of rules. And generally speaking, there is no discovery. You're allowed to collect medical records, but there is no discovery, no depositions, broadly speaking. But in Minnesota, we do have the opportunity to take a deposition and, and gather more information. Yeah. You know, another thing that I'm thinking about, Jerry, when I'm thinking about discovery issues in Minnesota is gathering information to provide to the independent medical examining doctor. So I want to collect all of the pertinent medical records, and I want to gather some testimony via a deposition so that I can provide the doctor that we've selected to do the IME with the most relevant and up-to-date information so that we can get the most accurate opinion possible. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's a good philosophy to have, whether 
you're sitting on the defense side or the petitioner side is making sure that your expert, you know, your witness, the people that you're relying on has all of the information. I mean, nothing, nothing can sabotage a case quicker than finding out at the last minute additional information that could potentially, you know, change, you know, those uh, opinions of those experts, whether on causation or reasonableness and necessity or, you know, anything else. And believe me, I, I've, I've been there, so I've, <laughs> I've seen it. And that's why you got to do, that's why the discovery process is so important in the beginning is that you do your due diligence. And I think there are times where people don't, you know, they don't look to uncover those, those rocks to see what's underneath or, you know, taking uh, depositions of employer witnesses, you know, before a hearing. So, you know what they're going to say. I know I've, you know, I know there are attorneys out there who are like, oh, I'm going to wait and do that. I, on the other hand, I want to know. I want to know exactly. And so if, if you're going to put in a response that you're reserving a witness or you may call them, like, you need to tell me, you know, are you going to call them or not? Because I want, to, I want to depose them. I want to know exactly what they're going to say. So, Jerry, as part of your practice, you're saying that oftentimes you will take employer representative depositions. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I try to always. I mean, if, if you're going to list in a pretrial statement or any other document that you're a witness at hearing, whether, even if it's, you know, potentially a rebuttal witness, you know, I'm going to want to depose them. And yeah, actually, I recently had had kind of an issue where a defense lawyer had put into their pretrial statement reserve. They didn't say, well, reserve is always reserve. It's not I'm calling them. You know, at some point, you know, my dad used to have a saying, you know, you either do your business or get off the pot, yep. right? And so at some point, you got to decide, you know, unfortunately, our rules are not as specifically clear. So it's kind of left judge by judge as to when you need to declare a witness. But, you know, you, you should do it. And, you know, nothing can get me going more than do it, you know, a day or two. And I ask to take a deposition. And sometimes I'll be flexible. But in, in this case, I attempted to try to be flexible. Hey, I'll do it during the evening. I'll do it. Wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, it's uh, to me. I always wanna. I always wanted to pose those witnesses so I know what they're gonna say, so I'm not surprised. Okay. As a claimant's attorney, Jerry, do you ever get any pushback from your clients, the injured, about the discovery process? Do they have questions about it? Do they uh, in, do they push back and not want to engage in discovery? What kind of scenarios do you deal with? Yeah. No, that's a that's a good question. I think many of my clients, you know, are you know, are a little apprehensive because it's unknown. Many, you know, and, and rightfully so, think that, well, you've got the records, you've got the information, why do you why do you need to depose me? Why do you need this other information? Why do you need why do you need these records from this provider who didn't treat me for my injury, you know, treated me for something unrelated, especially when it comes to, you know, mental health, right? I mean, we, you know, I don't, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of, you know, Americans deal with mental health, you know, and for a variety of reasons. And, you know, we talk to our doctors freely, never expecting that they're going to be scrutinized or looked at by, you know, attorneys or employers or or the like. So, yeah, certainly many, many have some apprehension about it. And so part of that process, part of that discovery process for me is explaining to my clients why an employer and insurer have a right to, to get certain information and two, how does that information then come into play with regards to the rest of the system, whether it's going to doctors or, you know, being, you know, admissible at hearing. 
So, you know, it's, it's, it's a time which requires, you know, explaining, comforting, you know, letting them know what the process is. I mean, I think the worst thing that you can do is just not tell them, you know, or to expect that they somehow understand. Many don't, you know. You know, if deposition, we've been through <laughs> thousands probably of them. And, you know, it, it's just easy for us. But for somebody who it's their first time, they're probably not sleeping the night before. They're probably talking to friends, family. They're probably worried about everything that they're going to say. And so, you know, that's why really it, it's, it's, it's necessary for me. And I assume even for you, you know, if you're dealing with employer witnesses, right, you know, they're, hey, why am I being questioned? What did, what did I do? You know, I didn't do anything in this. So I, I have to imagine that those are probably, you know, some of the same things that you've got to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. As the attorney, either the claimant's attorney or the defense attorney, sometimes I think we can become a, a little immune to how intimidating it can be. Go into a conference room and have people dressed all fancy asking you a bunch of questions, right? And so like you say, we've done this for several years and it becomes kind of a daily occurrence. But for somebody who's never been through it, yeah. you know, it can be quite intimidating. And I'm always mindful of that, whether it's the employee or the injured worker that I'm deposing, or if it's some sort of employer representative, for example, the employee supervisor, mm -hmm. you know, trying to, you know, uh, explain the process and make sure they're comfortable so you, you can get the information that you need. It is a, it can be an intimidating process. So Jerry, I want to talk to you about when litigation discovery issues don't go as planned. Something that I have to do occasionally is bring or seek court involvement. And what I mean by that is if we have sent a written demand for discovery or we're trying to coordinate a deposition and we're just not getting much cooperation on the other side, occasionally we have to bring a motion to compel. And essentially what that means is we're asking for the court to order some sort of discovery to take place. For example, please provide responses to the demand for discovery, right? <laughs> Is that something that you see occasionally? Yeah, I, I, I do. I think I see them from your office, too. Um, occasionally? Yeah, occasionally. Um, yeah, no, you're right. Sometimes, you know, getting back to the discovery, and, and as we were kind of chatting about before, I mean, each state is different. And in Minnesota, you know, you've got very limited discovery. I mean, the rules that that are provided to us really only allow certain items that you really need to provide. You know, one, list of medical records, you know, two wage records, you know, and then there's a third, I think, is surveillance, which needs to be provided at a certain time prior to a hearing. But otherwise, there really isn't much else that you're required to provide. So the rest is just kind of on the merits of the case and, you know, whether the other side is going to do it voluntarily. And if not, then like you said, yeah, you got to file a, a motion to compel. You know, I, I would say the rudimentary or the, the regular type of items that we get, you know, we will say, yeah, you know, here, we, you know, here you go. If there's statements or witness statements that we have, we'll provide that. You know, if there's records or medical records, yeah, we, we provide that. And, you know, sometimes people want tax records. Sometimes they want mental health providers, which are outside the scope of, you know, the fractured leg or, you know, uh, a certain body part. But also, too, there are times when it is relevant, right? Especially if you're making a psychological psychiatric claim. Yeah, you've you got to provide it. So, so yeah, I mean, at times you're going you're gonna to see those motions to compel, and you've got a limited time to respond. But, again, I think it's getting back to, you know, um, why you provide it. 
you know, what's the probative value versus, you know, the potential prejudicial risk, you know, of, of, of doing it. And so, you know, the, the, I, think, I believe it was the statute, this, or no, it was the rule. I think of the rules. The rules used to have it that if you make a claim, you put your medical conditions into controversy. And that was removed, and it was removed in part because of, you know, that reason is that, hey, you know what, not everything should come in. Not everything should be, you know, provided to the other side. But, you know, but you also have to balance that, you know, with, with, with your side. So are there times when you see uh, employees, attorneys filing motions to compel? Yeah, yeah. And I think at the baseline, what we're both trying to do on both sides is prepare the case for trial if necessary, mm-hmm. right? If the case doesn't resolve, we got to be ready to go to hearing. And so, your mission is just the same as mine. We're trying to gather the information so that we can advise our clients and be ready for the hearing that eventually is going to be scheduled. And so occasionally, I know speaking for myself only, I have failed to give uh, wage records and somebody had to remind me of that via a motion to compel. And then, you know, as soon as we got it, you know, we realized that we had overlooked that request and provided the needed material and the the motion was withdrawn. But yeah, it can be, and it has been used by claimant attorneys as well. And sometimes appropriately so, because, you know, we we overlook certain requests sometimes too. So it does happen. Jerry, as we finish up talking about discovery issues in Minnesota workers' compensation... Wait, we're almost done? (laughs) We we might be. We might be. Are there, are there any other kind of big subjects that you think about when you think about discovery issues in Minnesota workers' compensation claims? Yeah. You know, it's, it's always, you know, when, when we, you know, your first question is, what do you think of discovery? You know, and you think of, you know, and I think the first thing that, that I had mentioned was employees' depositions. And, you know, it, there's oftentimes, you know, the cases always hinge on, on information. What information is being assumed by, you know, the expert, you know, whether it's a doctor or, you know, a psychologist, psychiatrist or, or anyone else. And so when, when I really do think of discovery, it's, you know, that this is the work, you know, the fun part is trying the case, right? The work part is the is the discovery. And so, you know, I always, you know, so getting back to, well, what do you think? You know, I, th- I think of somebody, you know, a labor, you know, somebody who's working hard, like just just working at it, you know, and uh, in, in reality, you know, a lot of times, you know, in, in a high volume practice where you are having to deal with this, this is this is where, you know, having great support staff, you know, who are diligent in in reviewing files and gathering information and can spot issues, you know, all of that is so important. And so, you know, I, I, I think as I'd mentioned, I think some people take the discovery really lightly. And, you know, even getting back to the request for admissions, you know, they're you know, I, I'm always, you know, thinking, is there a better way to do what we do, you know, a more efficiently, a smarter way, you know, and, and that's that's for our clients. But I really do believe that, you know, the discovery process, you know, is where you, you know, make and break your case. Yeah, right? so. no, you're absolutely right. I'm glad you brought up the support staff, because I think a lot of people don't understand how much support is going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. in terms of collection of medical records, spotting issues, identifying additional treatment providers. And at Brown and Carlson, we have uh, a tremendous support staff that is very diligent and very skilled 
at reviewing records and knowing what steps need to be, what ha- what has to happen next, right? That is a very good point that we, we can't do it alone. And so the other thing that you touched on is that if we don't put in the time and energy to do, do good discovery, things don't end well, right? Because eventually there's going to be a trial, there's going to be a hearing, and if you don't have your ducks in a, in a row, it's going to be a long day for you, right? And so we do have standards that we follow in terms of being diligent and certain time frames that we want to follow up on, on requests, and, and that all goes on behind the scenes. And largely, our clients and, and your clients, they don't know that that's what's going on behind the scenes, but there's a team of people that allow us to do a, a, a very good job. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you, and you touched on it, gathering records. I mean, what, how simple that is, but... You know, from you know, an employee standpoint, you know, there are attorneys who, who don't request past records, that don't get all of that information. And I don't know how you can educate your clients then, provide an adequate foundation to your doctors if you don't have it. Now, do you need every medical note? No, you don't. But if it's a back claim, you should try to get those prior back medical reports. I mean, those are those are important. Now, do you need to know every single one? No, I don't think so. But, you know, did the person have an MRI? Did they have a CT scan? You know, did they receive chiropractic treatment for 10, 20, 30 years? You know, is that is that relevant? It may or may not be. I mean, in each case is different. But again, you know, that's part of this discovery process, right, is getting that information and saying, okay, doc, you know, or expert, is this relevant? Is it necessary? You know, because if it's not, then you shrug your, you know, and you go, eh, I don't know. And then you do that too with whether you're going to meet your burden of proof. You know, right. like, am, am I going to meet it? I don't know. So, yeah, it's it's doing your work. I mean, it's and how important that is in our practice is do the work. Yeah. And you, you got to do it. So I think both from the claimant's perspective and the defense perspective, really, you need to put in the work through the discovery process so that we can allow our clients to make good informed decisions, right? And yeah. so if you don't have that information, if you haven't put in the hard work, it's hard to allow your clients to make good informed decisions, right? They have to yeah. have that information so that they know what's going on and they can make the best decision for them. Because that's ultimately, you know, who both of us are trying to advise, right? The injured worker or the employer and insurer. And without all of that good hard work that goes on behind the scenes during the discovery phase, uh, we can't give them good recommendations. Yeah, no, it's I, I agree wholeheartedly with it because you can't, you know, if you don't have the information, how can you tell somebody that either from your side, hey, pay, you know, thousands of dollars here to someone, you know, by the way, I didn't really check this box or check that box, you know, same is true with me, you know, how can I say, hey, you should accept this, but by the way, I haven't done X, Y, or Z, you know, on your file. Now, again, there are always exceptions to these rules, right? I mean, there's there are times when, you know, you and I are experienced enough, you know, you go, hey, you know what, I, I know the doctor's going to do a report. I know I can get an IME that supports. I know I can do this. So can you speak intelligently? Absolutely. And that comes from the years of experience. But in general, you know, you should at least be able to, you know, explain that and have a handle on your case. So, Yeah. Thank you, Jerry. Well, thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. That covers discovery issues in Minnesota workers' compensation. Until the next time. Thank you for listening to Minnesota WorkComp Connection. If you have any questions related to your claim, reach out to the law firm sponsoring the show, Brown & Carlson, PA, and Motaz & Sisk. Until next time.